Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is the hard-working, not putting up with no jerks in here, Chris O'Toole. <laughs> I, I don't want to say jerkin because I was like, ah, oh, shit, that's going to go so so many weird ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, good intro either way. <laughs> Thanks. Good. Okay. Well, thank you, buddy. How are you today? Good, man. Can't uh, can't complain. Awesome. Awesome. I, I know that I've got the house to myself right now. Lauren and the kids are nice. away. So I'm doing what all us wild animals do when the zookeeper leaves, and that's organize our records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, it's like how I like to unwind, you know? Don't judge me. Um, oh, I'm not. I, I, I'm into that. I, <laughs> I know. I know a, you are. There's a sense of calm that, that fell over me as soon as you mentioned that. I thought, that's really great. Yeah, definitely. Zen Zen in the art of organizing records. True, um, yeah. But we've, we've it's been a while since we caught up, Chris. Like... Last week I was busy traveling. You were kind of busy going to some shows, and we didn't get a chance to to sit down and do this. Um, but uh, how was the show you went to last week? It was good. Your uh, your brother and show producer and friend of mine, Mister Tristan, uh, and I attended a concert. It was great. Got a chance to catch up again, and uh, it was nice. Had some good uh, good little punk chats as well. But yeah, it was good. I uh, I can't. Uh, it was it was for uh, it was a, a, I guess a sort of very token non-punk show, if you will. Uh, well, which he, is Pedro the, the Lion. Yeah, he's a punk. You know, we talked. He, I've gone back and forth with him about coming on the show a couple times now, and just hasn't come together. But uh, definitely punk roots in that guy's past. Yeah, I just mean in the the sense of like the expectation of what people think of that band versus. Yeah. You know what sonically or whatever, however you want to say it. But yeah, it was good. It was uh, it was equally as good to just catch up with your brother, though. So that was cool. I was going to say, if you put my brother and my musical taste on a spectrum, you would be in between, but perfectly in between both of us. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of that before, but I don't know everything your brother likes. But yeah, I would say that that sounds about right. Yeah, like I don't think you like everything he likes, you know. But I think, you know, you're the bridge between Tristan and my tastes. Yeah, I think uh, I've never thought about that, but I do think that's perfectly stated, yeah, the more I think about it. Um, well, I'm glad you guys got to catch up. I went to a concert myself. I got mm-hmm. to see Pennywise play with Sickvidal. Uh Nice. I, unfortunately, I did not get to stay and sing Brohim on stage because I had to go. <laughs> um, but in yeah. my hurried walk oh, away from the venue, uh, I ran into also Lee Ronaldo of Sonic Youth. Of course he did. <laughs> it's like the most cool New York thing to ever happen to me. You know? It is. It, so you. this was just completely random. There was no... No context for what? that to happen. I'm like wow. on the phone with my with my brother, the aforementioned Tristan Abraham. And I said, yeah. hold on for a second, Tristan. I think I see Lee, Lee Ronaldo. And I said, Lee. And he turned around and it was Lee Ronaldo. Wow. But you had already you'd already met previously, right? Yeah, we've met a couple times over the years, like played some shows together and stuff like that. But like you know, 
I, I still don't think I'm past that point of telling him that genetics, the greatest song of all time. Every time I see him, you know? Yeah. What I guess what I'm trying to broach here is he, he was obviously was aware of who you are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. He, in fact, you know, I don't, this is going to sound like I'm bragging here, but he did tell me that fucked up had the best cover on the grateful dead tribute record. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> and he likes the grateful that dead. A- so that's like high praise. That is a very peculiar compliment, but I like it. It was, I'm, I'm and it was it. not at all the compliment I expected here. But he's like, hey, I've been wanting to tell you this. And then he said that. And I was like, wow, Lee, that's awesome. It made Shake Shack taste all the better. <laughs> I, was I think the Shake funnier Shack. part about that, would you rather have that sort of compliment said to you or would you rather have like, you know uh, – you know, generations and police, like, really, you know, just made me rethink this whole aggressive music game. Oh, 100% that. No, 100% <laughs> the Grateful Dead compliment. Yeah, because, like, you know, like, yeah, that way I might be like, I think he's lying. This way it's like, no, that's random enough. He's not lying. No, yeah, that's definitely not something you say. Yeah, that, you, there's no way that's bullshit. No way. Yeah. No, there's no there. That's one of those things where you're like, wow, he must have really because he 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 was like cream puff for. I'm like, yep, that's the right song. Wow, he was listening to that Grateful Dead tribute record, which is more than I can say I have. <laughs> exactly. I just find wow. I'm still impressed by that. It's hilarious. I have not heard your cover, by the way. Also, so I need to get on that. Anyway. It it's uh it's pretty sick, Chris. If uh, Lee Ronaldo does say so himself. <laughs> you're gonna use that from now on i take it i'm gonna put i'm gonna like go tomorrow to uh the cd store yes there are still cd stores in toronto with a bunch of homemade stickers that say lee ronaldo of sonic <laughs> youth fame says that's fucked up has the best song on this compilation <laughs> just sticker them all I can't wait till like you run into David Byrne on his bike somewhere, and he says to you how great your Swing Utters cover is on that comp, dude. And then you'll, you'll that would be the highest you. praise. <laughs> or I, whoever I, equally as bizarre, you know, to run into. I still have never been given a copy of that CD, but it is on uh, streaming services. So I've now gone yeah. and listened to myself covering the Swing Utters and blows my mind i owe jonah a huge thank you for doing that because uh i forced him to do it and we didn't tell anyone else and fucked up that that was what was going on thank you jonah (laughs) either way that is that is great yeah so what um did any more come of your encounter with mr ronaldo uh well we talked about how potentially he's going to come on the show um in the new year and or in sort of the new school year because he is a child that goes to school in Toronto, so he will be up here mm-hmm. quite a bit. I guess not a child, like an adult, like a young adult yeah, yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um. So he's going to be up here and around here, and he's like, "Yeah, I'd love to do this podcast with you." And I said, "Absolutely." And then, uh, and then, uh, yeah, then we went our separate ways. He went out for dinner with his partner, and I went to Shake Shack by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> you know, there's something. This was really... in, this is in New York, by the way. Yes, yeah, in Brooklyn. Nice. Which, oh, okay. which, uh, you know, like it was amazing seeing Sick of It All. How many times do you think you've seen Sick of It All, Chris? At this point, I haven't seen them that many. Actually, I've only ever seen them at least 
probably two, three, I think. Okay. I, but have, yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen them in almost 10 years, but anyway, go on. But, like, where you've seen them, it's normally, like, Toronto, Buffalo, kind of between yeah, the yeah, two, no, right? I'm, Seeing yeah. Sick of It All in New York City is a different beast. Yeah, I would imagine. They pull out some very, uh, like, like New York-type crowd. Um, nice. And I mean that in a hard kind of way. It, it was a... Yeah, yeah. It was a, not a scary show, not a bad show by any stretch of the imagination, but just, like... Different to like seeing Sick of It All in Toronto where, you know, you know, you know, everyone moshing, you know, and then you're like, yeah. oh, shit. And here, here I knew a lot of these people moshing, but more from like infamy than from like personal like encounters and hangs. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I would imagine that to be the case. I remember when uh, when CBGB's was closing, they did. I, I don't know if they played more than one show, but there was definitely at least a show in that run of the last month or whatever. We're sick of it all. We're playing it. And I remember wanting to go, but we were happened to be in New York on tour and we only missed it by a few days, but I was bummed. But that, that would have been, been I think that would have been cool. That would have been really cool. That would have been really cool in, indeed. Um, but got to talk to Craig Satari, got to talk to Fletcher at the same damn time. Uh, <laughs> nice. It was, uh, and it's a fun interview. I think we're going to get a lot out of it. People, you know what, Chris, is funny. People fucking hate the live podcast episodes. Do they really? Yeah, they, it dies a death in the numbers every time we do one. And uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't, I don't. Well, perhaps because I've I've been on whatever four of them, I think. Yep, yep. Five of them, five of them, I guess. Um, I don't know. I like them. I mean, having lived through it, I like them. Uh, and I like actually, I shouldn't say that. Even separated, I like the last one you put up, or whatever. The last few I haven't been on. That are live. I've, I've liked them all. I think they're good. Yeah, and I don't think it has anything to do with the podcast so much as it has to do with, like, just live podcasts in general. Because I'm the same way. Like, if, if there's, like, if Colt Cabana does a live episode, I'm not as excited as when he does an in-studio episode. Yeah, I, I for me, what I would say, and I think to your point, is I do believe, yeah, they don't they don't tend to go as in-depth. So I don't appreciate them as much. That, that I would agree with. But yeah. I do like the kind of, uh, and even in this week's that you put up, I, I think there's a good, uh, there's a good atmosphere about them that I also don't think you get though. I don't, I don't think you would get certain things out of guests in a, in a more like, uh, whatever sterile setting. So to speak. I agree. I definitely agree. Um, cause like, I think, you know, for example, like there's a different energy when you're doing it live, you know? And I think that's yeah. maybe why people don't like those live podcasts as much is because, you get used to a certain type of energy from a podcast and that's what you go looking for. But I don't know, like for this type of podcast where the, the object is to uncover the funniest, coolest information possible about punk music, the live ones offer a lot of unique opportunities to do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think maybe as well, the, the difference being that it's a little different for people to sort of like bear their souls in yeah, public setting as opposed to like a one-on-one -on -one conversation or what have you. I agree. I definitely agree about that too. You're right. Like it's easier to to be open about who you are and and what you're about when it's just you and another person in a quiet, secluded kind of space. Yeah. Um. But that being said, this is one fucking doozy of a live episode this week. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, it was entertaining to listen to, but also just like the the guests were pretty phenomenal. 
Yeah, look, and I owe all credit to Melanie Kay for throwing this thing together um, and and making it happen because – and making the whole thing kind of happen because it was awesome to kind of get to talk to these people, people like – well, a couple of them I had spoken to before, but two of them that I would say would be uh, like bucket list white whale kind of guests for the show. Well, yeah, I mean you had kind of mentioned previous to going that uh, – well, you'd mentioned it on the podcast even, but we, you'd spoken to me well before that and just mentioned the, at least at the time, it was Dawn you'd mentioned. I don't know if the um, the woman from uh, uh, Rosillo's you'd mentioned to me or not, but either way, yeah, those are like enormous names. Yeah, definitely for this show. Um, but before we get into this podcast too, too much, we should acknowledge the sad passing of a real punk rock legend, uh, Randy Rampage, formerly of DOA and uh, Annihilator. Is that the metal band, Chris? Uh, yes. I'm not as familiar. Uh, yeah, sorry, Annihilator. I couldn't remember if it was Annihilator or Annihilation, but yeah, Annihilator it is. Annihilator, who uh, certainly a band that, um, you know, like fans of metal have been talking about how important this band was and, and, you know, had an impact there, but for the purposes of this show and, and for myself specifically, his involvement in DOA is grounds enough to kind of put this guy in a music hall of fame, especially here in this country. Um, started playing in DOA, like right from the very first lineup, uh, put played on all the kind of penultimate records, be it the prisoner, be it disco sucks, whatever he's played on, all those records later rejoined the band towards the last kind of run of them. But like, you know, once again, this comes up and I think this one was a little more appreciated. Like, you know, like it seems to make the rounds on all the other music papers and, and things like that, the music sites and stuff like that. But it's still like a band that I don't think gets the due they deserve. Yeah. We've, we've talked a lot about that on the show recently, even I would argue. So mm-hmm. this did kind of uh, happen at a bizarrely, um, sort of like topically at a time on the show when it's it's relative to what we've been speaking about. But um, I was t- like, I'm never taken aback entirely when like, it's, I don't know, the last few years have seemed to be pretty bad for this sort of thing kind of popping up with, but I think we're just all getting to that age perhaps. But, um, but yeah, this one certainly I would, I would agree with you that it's uh, like he's been remembered to a, a much larger degree than some of the other people who have passed over the last few, um, considering his involvement with DOA. Like not exclusively, but that's I, at least in my social circles, that's the uh, the nods that they are putting things up about or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's of course it's always sad. And he passed uh, at the age of fifty-eight, which you know, of course, not terribly old. No, and, not at all. Uh, of a heart attack, unfortunately, but it seems like he went peacefully. I could hope based on everything that's reported. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It's just, it's sad. I never know, you know, you never know what to say. We've done so many of these lately, unfortunately, that it's, you know, I don't, you you don't even know what to say anymore at the point. No, I guess you can only say like, you know, rest in peace and, and thank you, you know, thank you for the work because once again, DOA is that band that, Maybe it's now getting a little bit of the credit for this, but really did kind of, you know, build this playground for all us bands to play in, be it setting up that touring route that we all kind of follow or, 
or just kind of like going out there and networking with bands and, and kind of building this, this scene. Yeah, I agree. I think now that's starting to become a little more known. I think so too. Years on. I think that's like, the, even if people aren't, I see people acknowledge it, even if they don't seem to be enormous, like seemingly enormous fans of the group for whatever reason. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's, it's becoming a little more acknowledged the way it should be. Yeah. And I, and I think it's cr- all credit to this show. Just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah. No, all credit to, to, you know, people kind of spreading the word and, and definitely, you know, letting everyone know about this band. Like, this is something that comes up on the show a lot, but, you know, Canada's not really that good at, at uh, canonizing its music, you know, and its history. So these artists tend to get forgotten here, I think, in a way they wouldn't in the UK or certainly in the UK, but like even America and stuff like that. So, you know, like it's good that we we live in a time and in, in a place where, you know, a band like DOA at least is getting acknowledgement and Randy Rampage, I should say specifically. Uh, also put out a great solo record. I think a lot of that stuff's out of print now, but you can still find most of that DOA stuff in various shapes or forms online. Um, but yeah, the art- in the article I pulled up here, there was the other reference to other things he'd been on, which of course Annihilator is mentioned, but um, it mentions bands Ground Zero, Fake It Big, Fake It Big Time, pardon me, Stress and Stress Factor Nine. I don't, I'm not familiar with those bands either. No, I don't um, think they're. Plus. I don't think they're. Uh, I think they may be more metal. Not I'm not sure. I'm curious if any happen to fall chronologically, perhaps before DOA. Even that's what my curiosity was. Well, I went to his uh, his cogs, and yeah. I think DOAs are his first credits because he's playing in DOA in like nineteen uh, seventy nine, seventy eight. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty. I don't know what age they all would have been at that time. I'm guessing quite young. But. Kids, yeah. Like if he's fifty, if he passed at fifty eight, you know, like. I don't know how old he would have been when they first started out. Yeah, Prisoners 1978 point. that comes out and Disco Sucks comes out in the same year. Yeah. It's crazy. crazy. Do you know what you don't think about being like that out of the gate, you know? Like You know what I there. think it is with that is because they date that LP as Hardcore 81, it yeah. almost seems like that's the beginning, but it's obviously not the beginning. No, that's our that's um, a second LP. Yeah, exactly. By that point. So it's just it's it's funny though that mentally at least my brain always just goes eighty one. Yeah, same here. Like every time I think of it. I think of them as an eighties band, but like really they're like what's nervous breakdown? Seventy nine? Hmm. I always forget. I think it's it's in the seventies. I just can't remember if it's seventy eight or seventy nine, but I can Man. look it up right now as we discuss this. But yeah, it's in the same certainly the same wave, if not earlier. As as debated in history books or whatever. What a band, man! Yeah, seventy nine. So their first singles predate that, which is wild. I never thought about really that in that context before either. Nor do I. Like you never really hear them brought up as being like the first hardcore record because, like, I, like I don't know. The the those records sound like hardcore. Like I know everyone will be like, "Oh, the middle class, the middle class single," but. I don't know, those sound, the DOA records are pretty fucking hardcore, yeah. if you ask me. I agree. I, I think that DOA always has, like, the 
the capital P punk first idea. And I think that's why people try to disqualify them from that argument. Perhaps I don't really know. Yeah. Cause they do, you know, it's the same time as out of Vogue. Yeah. That's a $500 record. now. Well, I'm back to, back to what we mentioned earlier. I think it's also because the, although they're known, you know, the whole idea of like the Canadian underdog group in certain regards, I think exists versus that in history, at least in a lot of the, the books you read. True. True. Um, all right. Well, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add about Mr. Randy Rampage, Chris. No, I think I'm good on that, but yeah. Okay. Well, I'm rest in peace, that. Randy Rampage. And thank you for all you've done for, for this music. Yeah, for sure. Likewise. Uh, let's go on now to today's show. Uh, Chris, you were missed, my friend. <laughs> no, you did a great, like, I was not uh, listening to it. It was it was great. I, I thought uh, I thought Zach did a great job. I, I don't uh, I don't think I I'm, I would have put it to you this way because you got to recount the the infamous story again. Yes. I don't think uh, it would have been queued up as good if I was there. I think that was a great starting point. You wouldn't have let me smoke pot in the dressing room. That's for sure. <laughs> you could have done whatever you want as long as I. I wasn't in there, but yeah. Straight edge revenging it the whole time. <laughs> um, whereas Zach Blair <laughs> lacked the uh, straight edge fortitude to prevent me from smoking weed and got himself a contact high. <laughs> yeah, I have not uh, experienced that, no. Um, so I need discipline, Chris. I need rules. And, and without you to hand down the rules, look what happened. I broke a man's <laughs> edge. I'm hardly a disciplinarian in reality, but yeah, uh, I know what you mean, but no, I don't, uh, I think the chemistry between you and Zach was great. And I, again, I think the story retelling was super funny and I don't know if we would have had any uh, material that was quite that quality to kick off the show with. I think I've told that story. Like it's hard to tr- try and think what my most told overtold story is, but I think that's gotta be it. <laughs> Like it's, it's a lot lately. I, I don't know if I can't remember all of the ones offhand, but yeah. I, I recount that story almost weekly to a random person. <laughs> to me, there is no moment <laughs> of greater importance in the history of this podcast than, uh, <laughs> that moment where MVP and Zach player are reunited. Yes. <laughs> It is a very entertaining story. Anyway, point being, I think you and Zach did fine. So I appreciate you saying I was missed, but I, I think it was great. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't feel it could have been done better with me there at all. What do you think the top five m- turn at a punk reveal moments would be? I think that's number one for me. Uh, Michael Ian Black and Tim Shaw from Ensign playing in a band together. <laughs> yeah. Is right up there. I can't remember all the reveals, but yeah, those are two good ones, of course. Uh, I like the uh, what's his name? The uh, I always forget his name. Oh, anyway, Chris Gethard. Him and Toby Morris. Yeah, Chris Gethard. There we go. Chris Gethard, Toby uh, Morris. You're Morris right. This is a good one. Um, I'm trying to think of the others. Um, uh, uh, this the Steve McDonald kidnapping story. This is amazing. Yeah, that that I would. I, okay. 
Okay, I thought you were going for something different topically, but yeah, that one is maybe my favorite of the the entire run of the show so far. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still think MVP for me, the MVP Zach Blair story, because it's just like it's like Stand by Me if I had written it, <laughs> you know? Yes, and you're central to the to the unfolding of it. So of no, I just I make a cameo at the very end. <laughs> Like when they make this into a movie, they're just gonna cast uh uh what's that dude's name who played Bane? Oh god. Uh, I don't I know who you're talking about, but I don't that know dude. his name either. That's the dude they're gonna cast as me in the movie as a cameo. <laughs> Tom something. I think it's Tom. <laughs> yeah, um ah, it'll come to me. I don't know. Maybe I'll be played by Tom Sharpling, that. actually, now that I think about it more. Tom Hardy. <laughs> that would be funny. Tom, Tom Hardy, Hardy or Tom Sharpling. Yeah. One of the two. I'll be played by a Tom. <laughs> and I'll just have a cameo in the end. Nice. <laughs> Either way, yes, there are very good reveals on your show, and I can't remember all of them, but there's a good number of them. No, they're not. Yeah, like it's it's once again, I think it's we are just very fortunate to be able to punish people and get this information out of them. <laughs> yes, I think you're also you are you have this uh very good knack to be just like sort of insatiable about your research or something that uh, overturns something and that's where I think it a lot of it comes from to be honest. Yeah. No, I think I think it's also, you know, you just got to be relentless. You just can't give up. <laughs> you know, Jack Black tells you he wasn't in a punk music. He tells you it over and over again. Did you give up? No. You force him to admit it. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I forgot about that one too. Yeah, that's another fun. <laughs> you force it. But I, I still think out of all of them, MVP Zach Blair, MVP arriving in fucking the middle of nowhere, Texas, meeting up with these thrash metal kids who are getting beaten up by the local rodeo kids. Like how much when you were a kid in high school dealing with asshole bullies didn't you wish that all of a sudden a gangbanger would appear out of nowhere who was <laughs> friends with you and just pound the shit out of all these assholes? I think it's a pretty common, well, not that specific of a, of a whatever, of a fantasy, but certainly someone as a protector. Yeah. I fortunately didn't experience any bullying, but it was certainly, you know, I'm very acquainted with the idea of feeling like an, like an underdog or outsider, culturally speaking in a uh whatever not culturally diverse place so i get i totally get that it's, i don't think it's anything near what zach probably went through or dealt with but um i get that idea for sure and it, it, ironically enough he had <laughs> that happen yep he got he uh you know he had every kid's fantasy happen <laughs> yes exactly a super tough friend who's gonna pound the shit out of the rodeo kids which is funny which is fucking awesome. This is a movie. It's a fucking movie. It is. It's very movie-like, yes. It's very cinematic. Uh, Zach, of course, also now makes his way into the infamous Turned Out of Punk uh, four-time club. Nice. Which very few people have entered that that group. Um, but yeah, it was really fun to to make him tell that story. I think it's like if you listen to Turned Out of Punk, that's almost like... Uh, you know, our bro him, that story. <laughs> like, everyone, everyone yeah. up. We're going to tell the MVP exact story. And they're Very like, well stated, he yes. 
came from Florida to <laughs> nowhere, Texas. And then, you know, it's just, it's just complete bro him. Yeah, it's a classic for sure. I'm so bummed I didn't <laughs> sing that on stage the other week. Why didn't you, though? What happened? I, I, my, I was with someone. They had to leave. Suddenly, I'm like watching. I'm waiting. I know it's coming up. You know, but then we had to leave. Were you, like, were you actually like stage side as well? So it would have been possible kind of thing? It was 100% possible, Chris. Fletcher Fletcher, <laughs> and I had hit it off again. Like, I didn't think he'd remember us touring together, but he did. So I think he would have even give me his mic. You know, <laughs> I could have nailed the woes for once. <laughs> I do wish it existed just to see footage, to be frank. But yeah. Yo. I wish, I wish also I went to the Gathering of the Juggalos and I could have sung Homies on stage. <laughs> Not with you there, but yes, I'm Cold aware of your, your fascination with, uh, with that song. Yes. Sorry, well, it's not fascinating. It's just recognizing that it's a brilliant song. Mm. Well, we disagree on this one, but yeah. <laughs> I'll accept that you feel that way, yes. Okay, well. Uh, we will move on because we don't want to derail this podcast with a huge fight over homies again. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that was uh, that was uh, that was that that was that was the weekend. That was uh, that was a you know, Zach Blair's portion of the evening. You um, also you missed another thing that you've been up to, by the way. Was that which was you? You went to England and to Spain with your band. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> and um, that was the week before. The weekend before the one you're talking about, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was in the air more than I was on the ground. Um, <laughs> Regardless, it's pretty. Uh, you've been a, you've been a lot of places lately. You know what's funny though, Chris? I was in this record store there, and this guy comes up and he's like, "Hey, man, let me know if I can help you." And I'm like, "I recognize this voice." And I'm like, "What are you talking? We're there being in, in England, right?" Okay. And yeah. I'm like looking at him. But he's like a Canadian guy, or he's got a, like you know, not an English accent. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, didn't you used to work at a store called Cosmos in Toronto? He goes, yeah, and this is the Cosmos England location. You didn't even know the signage before you walked in? <laughs> no. No. I, maybe they didn't have a sign? I don't know. Maybe I just thought maybe it was a different Cosmos. I just never made the connection, but it's the same Cosmos. Wow. Cosmos. I wasn't aware that they had that. Nor was I. Nor was I. I got some great records out of Cosmos over the year. That's where I that's where I got my teenage head acetates. That's where I got nice. I got uh, the uh, TMA What's for uh, Dinner LP Test Press. I got some Did, I got some cool records there. Was that not also, if I'm mistaken, where well one of the locations that you interviewed Jello as well? No, did I? Wasn't that at Cops? Oh, it might have been at Cops, pardon me. I think it was at Cops. Because there was a few record stores. I thought that was one, but okay. Yeah, it was an orgy bad. of record stores. Anytime you're with Jello, it's going to be involved probably records. Gotcha. I was just trying to bring it around, but okay, I was off. No, it would be, be awesome. It would be, uh, I don't know, shopping with Jello <laughs> for records is a different experience. He's got he's got a different definition of what records should be sold for than uh, myself. You know, what you, it, Talking about his... Like he fe he feeling things should be sold sold for much less or I don't, yes I don't yeah like I think he thinks that you know he's used to a, a pre eBay time of record pricing or I guess pre discogs yeah, yeah. now yeah 
I get what you mean. That makes sense. Generationally, that makes sense. Absolutely. Totally makes sense. Not critiquing them at all. In fact, you know, like we, we don't have to do it again because we do this many times on the show, but you go through that AT roster. Guy's got an ear. Got a pretty good ear yeah, for this for stuff. Sure. Uh, yeah. uh, all right. Well, I guess we should move on to Faye Fifi from the band, the Rosellos, who uh, also was on the show. Uh, a, a band that I like ever since I heard, I think it was Murphy's Law covering someone should get their head, someone's going to get their head kicked in tonight. And uh, that was my first exposure. And then I bought some re- CDs by them and I've always loved them. I've always thought that they were, you know, like almost like the, the, the Scottish B 52s or, you know, even though they're kind of contemporaries with, but like yeah, yeah. a completely unique approach to this music. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm uh, only really acquainted with sort of the era of that first LP, unfortunately. And I realize that they're, the careers of her career specifically is of course much longer, but, um, but yeah, I would agree. I think that, uh, I know it's a classic, even like the, the aesthetic of that first LP is like very iconic, even the singles, like the first single has that iconic look too. But, uh, I feel like they're one of these groups that just doesn't like they get attention certainly, but I just feel like they don't, they don't seem to be one of those first bands people talk about in their Mm -hmm. discussions of punk. And I don't know if it's because, you know, at the time people weren't deep enough in it to get to them quick enough if it wasn't like a regional thing. Like, I, I'm wondering if you really have an interview more people like from Scotland of that era, if they would be a lot more paramount for them. You know what I mean? Rather than like the whatever, the, the sort of most often North American or, or whoever you're, you're interviewing. I think so, because, like, look at the bands that came after and how different they were sounding, you know? Like, and I think that's probably a direct result of this band being their peers. Like, we, I kind of bring it up on the episode. Yeah, like, she she sort of... Uh, the thing I always found interesting, and it makes complete sense, because, we're, you know, I'm certainly guilty of this, but I feel like, and, like, kind of what I started off my this whole rant with, was that... You sort of like you capture a certain moment of time for someone's career. And sometimes that's like, you know, that's frozen. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's again, that's what I have with this group. But it's largely just out of ignorance. I haven't like really, really immersed in a lot of the other stuff they released. But um, she was seemed uh, very, very adamant and understandably to mention the sort of the remainder of other things that she'd done and sort of like how it was like sort of transcended sort of punk essentially in the long run, which, you know, of course that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it's so in terms of, uh, you know, there, and I guess what I mean to say is she, she didn't seem to acknowledge that at least from what I remember hearing in the interview that their influence was, was great on, you know, Scottish bands after what have you. She kind of did. She said, like, you know, like, because, you know, look at the music that comes out of Scotland next, like the post-punk stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It is very eclectic. It is very weird. Like, they don't have, you know, there are obviously Scottish punk bands, but, like, there's also, like, a shit ton of Scottish, like, twee bands and, like, post-punk bands and just, like, doing weirder things and different kind of approaches to the music. And I was wondering if that's because they would have been the band. Yeah. 
And it, and it already set the template to be wacky or weird or, yeah. or to go other places. Yeah, I get like, I mean, I've never thought about it, but yeah, perhaps. But um, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I, the funny thing about that record is I think like the, the someone someone's going to get their head kicked in. I think that's almost the most, uh, like for that record, I feel like that track sticks out so much and not in a way where it's obviously a great song, but I feel like if you, that's the only thing you hear representative of that group, it's so like askew what yeah. that group is. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? It's one of those funny, uh, I'm trying to think of the term for it. It's like a misnomer. Sounds like a novelty it's like song. A, yeah, it would be like if, <laughs> if like, I don't know, like Living in the City by Fear didn't sound like the rest of that record or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it, it doesn't it's though, like really, that. too. Living in the City by Fear, I've always found like that record's got like a lot of weird ass songs on it. It's true. It, it, agreed. But I think it's more sonically in tune with one another than a lot of the diversity on that LP. Yeah, that's true. Um, the Rosillas LP, meaning. But um, yeah, anyway, so it's just, it, that's always struck me as, as odd. Because I'm like you, I, I I cannot remember the first place I heard it, even if it was a cover, frankly. But that song was definitely the first thing I heard. Mm-hmm. And... I don't I don't don't think it was the Murphy's Law cover, but I feel like maybe someone else covered it too. I'm that sure song else was also like a comp part. staple. Yeah, could have been that too. But regardless, it's me when I because the LP I think I don't uh if I listen to that LP I actually I tend to skip that song because I've listened to that song so much independent from the LP that it's I've worn it out a little bit. I can get that. You know, like like when the when the anthem becomes too much. It's great. Like it's it's an absolute like it's flawless. But it's just I find the rest of the LP when I'm listening to it, I, it's just like the tonally that song makes less sense to me on that LP for whatever reason. Then stand alone. Like top of the pops. Even if you think of that song, which is the song right after it, <laughs> or even the opening track. Like it's just they're so. It's so different, you know what I mean, than those than that song. Hundred percent. Anyway, I just never thought. I've never actually explored this thought aloud before. It just occurred to me when I started looking at the discogs and thinking, "Man, this is great." <coughs> oh, sorry, Chris. I'm uh, trying to get into the same state of mind I, w- I had that night on stage. <laughs> right now, I'm used to it. Yes. <laughs> I interviewed a guest earlier on who was straight edge and I never like to dab or smoke weed when I'm interviewing a straight edge guest, but I figure you, yeah. you know, we've seen each other naked at this point, so it's okay. <laughs> it's true. I, I don't, uh, I don't have any issue of course with you doing whatever you want to do on your own show. It's fine by me. <laughs> it's our show, like. Chris. If yes, you had a problem with it, I would do it a little more subtly. No, no, no. But you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, she was an amazing person to get to talk to and someone who a hundred percent is going to come back for like a part two, a legit part two. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, uh, like a real, um, whatever in-depth interview episode with her would be great. I think, uh, she had a really, I don't know. I just like her take on everything, but I, I think I thought I felt she was, uh, and understandably like a, she was uh, humble, which is nice to hear, but I would argue a little too humble, perhaps. But then again, you know, 
That's what she's been involved in, not me. So she was also pretty freaked out. Yeah, really? Yeah, like she was a little nervous, didn't know what to expect. Very happy in the end. Like very she was very like oh, that is exactly what I want, hoped it would be type thing. But yeah. beforehand she's like, What are you gonna ask me? And I'm like uh, <laughs> And also I was doing all these dabs and I remember hearing Don Let's go to her, and that's the fucking host over there. About me. <laughs> that's a- <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> it was also uh it was awesome before uh <laughs> before uh, uh Faye gets there. Don's like, Who else is on the show tonight? I'm like, Oh, Faye from the Rosillos. he's like, Oh fucking great, I haven't seen her since nineteen seventy eight. And then she comes wow. in and he's like, Hey, how's it going? And she's like, Hello, nice to meet you. He's like, We've met uh... before and he goes, When? He goes, Back in the day. She's like, Oh, I don't know. He's like, Did you ever play the Roxy? She's like, yeah. He's like, then you fucking met me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's a little, it's, well, see, the funny thing in that story is that I find it amusing that someone would forget meeting Don Letts at some point. He's got to be one of the most recognizable, he's got to be one of the most recognizable people in punk. For sure. Especially in those years, like for sure. Yeah. So that idea is kind of funny to me, like not remembering, but it makes complete sense simultaneously that, you know, if you haven't seen someone since the late seventies, yeah, you'd probably be a little foggy <coughs> if you met him. <coughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, Chris, this dab. Whoosh. Rick Flair. <laughs> Rick Flair. Um, uh, I guess we should move on now since we kind of are transitioning to talking about it. Well, I guess we got to talk about our friend Spike coming back on the show. Yeah, he's great. I would. I thought uh, his was particularly short, but I felt like uh, because you had already done a pretty thorough interview that it was sort of maybe that's why. But um, I thought the <laughs> it got pretty wild with the uh, the GG anecdotes right away. <laughs> so, yeah, starting off hot. So, uh, starting off hot when you started would, with the GG. Yeah, it did. I thought it was funny that sort of Zach reconnected though. I didn't. Uh, I didn't anticipate Zach possibly sort of knowing him in some context, and that was a funny little recollection. Yeah, well, like, that's the thing about Zach. It's, like, that guy's had a pretty storied career. Yeah, I'm sure, like, the more, well, whatever, he seems to know a great deal of people, and understandably, he's toured for a very long time. Um, Yeah, Spike, it was great having Spike on. You know, like, once again, someone who... It blows me away that this guy didn't realize he had a gift for being on stage till that late in life. Yeah, that's the best part of his – well, it's not the best part, but that's that's the most uh, whatever, surprising part of his story because most of the people you're interviewing seem to have like a compulsion like immediately or something or like you know that drive is in them and his is like – being surrounded by things that he's like interested in, but has no particular interest seemingly in uh, participating apart from just attending. And then that's when it, you know, takes a whole new thing, but it's only that. And I think he said it was the cover night thing. That's how it was like, which is hilarious. Like the, of all the things, which makes sense if you think of that band now, but like the fact that anyone thought to see a guy, well, you know, just happened to see a guy doing whatever karaoke and thought, wow, or a cover night, whatever it was, and thought they were so good they should form a band <laughs> is uh, 
I don't know. It's just a funny thought for me. I, I can't. Uh, I can't imagine that scenario myself. He's like the Susan Boyle of punk rock. <laughs> you know, and, which would make that? Fat Mike the Simon Cowell. Mm. Which, well, which well it, it fits. It fits. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've never met either of them, like you, but I. I think it's a very clever, clever description. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I think. Uh, you know, it's like, but I mean, Susan Boyle in the sense that he was just discovered, like plucked. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And I thought of it in a matter of like sheer ability also. Yeah, I think yeah. that that's accurate. Yeah, like someone who's got a gift for it. Uh, speaking of gift for it, we got to get into it now. Don Letts, yeah. one of the most combative guests I think I've ever had on this thing. He was good. Like I, you kind of said that to me, so I was expecting it to be a lot more ornery than it was. But I thought he was good. Like, I, I didn't uh, – what did you feel was particularly uh, – whatever, what you what, – what word did you use? Combative? Yeah, like, I just think he, like – you know, I don't – and I want I want that. I don't want someone to, like, just, like, placate me with being like, sure, yeah, let's play along. Like, he – but he just yeah. kind of, like, he fought back on stuff, you know? I liked his, his – yeah, I liked that the Clash Sex Pistols thing. That was very amusing to me because that – he would have to be the ultimate. I mean, I'm trying to think of anybody that would be better to ask that question. I don't think there is. Uh, fact, Joe Strummer really would have been. Well. Yeah, but you can't ask the people involved, really. You know what I mean? Like, he was and he wasn't. You know yeah, I mean? that's true. So that works for him. Because, like, you know, you could still ask a sex pistol that. and But, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be as good, I don't think. Yeah. Um, you know, Actually, you know what? Maybe Malcolm McLaren would be a funny one to ask that question to. He would have been, but he would have definitely said the pistols. Yeah, of course, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, but, but you're right. Uh, like he, like because I think that's all thing. Like Don was, Don gave the only acceptable answer, right? Like he talked about how powerful the pistols were. Like obviously the Clash, you know, like were the better band. Like insofar as they actually functioned as a fucking band, and they put out like a series of records that people remember. But mm-hmm. you, you can't undercut the power of the Sex Pistols. As like a, a well, thing agree. that happened. I think another – well, there was a lot. I think you guys, despite that being a short interview, all, all things considered with, with him, I think you sort of nailed that argument like perfectly where, where you acknowledge again, like you said, like the, the power of that record and, and that record capturing a moment which cannot be recaptured. So the clash in that sense, quote unquote, lose based on your criteria. But at the same time, yeah, like – the Clash were a more legit band, in my yeah. opinion. I think yeah. history books would dictate that as well. Not no shade to the Sex Pistols, uh, but um, what was going to say? There was another thing that jumped out at me uh, just now. Oh, lost my thought. Oh, sorry. It had to do with um, if you think about it in terms of like longevity of the groups, like legacy. Um, the Sex Pistols you know, as far as I can think, have never, I mean, maybe in England, but I, I even have a hard time believing this would be in England. Like, it's certainly of the era, I don't believe they played them on the radio. If they did, it would have been like, I imagine, like a pirate radio or whatever kind yeah, of setup. Yeah, yeah. Whereas The Clash, you know, as I hear frequently now at my workplace, and and most people on the radio are, you know, aware of this, but... They play the Clash frequently. Yes, like it's yeah. never it's never like the first two records, but they definitely play like. Should uh, I stay or should I go? Is is like a 
it's like a fucking common song in Canadian radio. Yeah, like you hear it all the time. And so I thought about in those terms, like in my recent, you know, like experiencing that. And like, not that I'm surprised to hear that song, but I'm surprised to hear it at the frequency I do and with the other like classic rock jams that tend to come on with it or in its, you know, whatever, in its rotation. And I think that, again, it shows the power of, like, it, you know, the Sex Pistols, despite the controversy and all those, you know, all the games, were not reliant on radio and still are not reliant on radio, you know, to play those songs. And yet the uh, the intensity of that legacy is intact. So, you know, there's another pro for your column of, of what you want to weigh up. But I think it's I think you parsed it perfectly, which is that. Sex Pistols are captured in a moment which cannot be recreated and therefore, you know, it's sort of a bit of an apples-oranges argument is what I would say, but yeah. Yeah, and and I'm just glad I got to ask it to Don Letts, which is like probably the biggest dick move I've ever made. No, it was was good though. I I liked, yeah, I liked it. I I, I liked that he was dismissive, but I liked his... uh, I think I don't know. I just think it's funny. I, for me, with him, I was most surprised because I, I view him as like a music person. So I like those kinds of questions for music people because if it's just like, you know, obviously anybody that you were going to interview, I would imagine is has some kind of interest in music, punk centric especially. But you know, Don Letts seems to be the guy that's like very, very has a very, very keen ear and like introduce people to things they weren't, you know. Uh, you know, familiar with in that sort of first wave and things of that nature. So, I like a kind of a nerdy question like that to him. You you just happen to ask him a touchy one. I I would imagine, <laughs> being that he's so close to at least one of the, if not all of the players in those bands. But, um, no, I, I thought it was great. I, I I think his reaction was great too. But I thought it was. A, I if you hadn't have done it, I think it would have missed. It would have been missing a serious part. Like well, you would you would have regretted it. How about how dismissive he was of the Cortinas? I don't. Uh, I don't really remember much about that. To be honest, I asked him about the fa- about fascist dictator, and he's like, "Nah." Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I do remember. Like he was, yeah, he was dismissive of a lot of stuff. I found it interesting that he was so. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking up? Even discharge when you brought that up, it was like, yeah, because I I wanted you to go more into like specifically like crass like i was curious like that's the stuff with him i want to hear is like people like that's thoughts like uh, of his generation that were like first wave but way thought of like crass or you know that whole thing so which you kind of i guess with discharge it applies but i think discharge is a bit of a different and blitz too he was also like not a fan of blitz yeah see but i think Based on what he says in that interview, and of course knowing you know his documentaries and what have you, specifically like the skinhead one and things like that, I think perhaps associations have ruined. If I had to guess, yeah, have yeah, ruined yeah. bands for him. I don't know why Discharge would be such a bad one, but perhaps it's because he views, or I'm assu- again, this is all assumption. I could be completely wrong, but uh, because he's of the era he is, and anything of of the era that we're sort of trying to broach after or you are specifically um you know it's, it's sort of like whatever the second wave and therefore it seems like redundant or a bit like costumey i think to someone like him because he was he was very very he had a lot of praise for like post-punk stuff which yeah. i wasn't 
I was kind of surprised about, but not entirely. But in the contrast of like, you know, what other punk was coming out, if he's praising the post-punk stuff more and thinking it's more interesting, then I, I'm guessing he just thought that a lot of that other punk stuff was redundant to him. Yeah, like I think that's the thing, right? Like, And also, it, it seems like he probably got so turned off by it so quickly that the stuff that was coming out that was actually interesting, he was just completely unaware of, you know, like – like for instance, the desperate bicycles. Yeah, that that too. Even uh, did you not bring up the television personalities too? I think so. Yeah. No, I, I did bring Excuse up. Me. Yeah, where's Bill Grundy now? I said yeah, and he was, and he brought up uh, Mark uh, Mark Smith's band. Like he brought up the fall, or he brought up another band. Not Mark Smith. Uh, Mark Perry. What was his band? Mark Perry. Alternative TV. I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's a great band, but yeah, like, or at least the early single, but um, yeah. singles, but uh, yeah, like I, I just it, I'm most, and I think this is the kind of show that people will understand this, and I think you, you and I are in accord on this. I think a lot of people of our mindset are in accord on this. The most interesting thing to me when interviewing these kind of, like these huge pioneering personalities that clearly like set, you know, a bit of the, like, their vision and their template is, is completely ingrained in what punk becomes. Mm -hmm. And even if they come off that trip, you know, even fairly early on, I'm always curious their thoughts on the, you know, the stuff in the wake of, of that first impactful stuff. Like, like we mentioned, like the crass stuff or even, even, uh, you never brought up any that I'm aware of in the interview that I can remember anyway. Uh, like early American hardcore even. But no. like that kind of stuff, like I feel like the idea of like, because I think that stuff to to him might be a little more, a little less, I don't know, close to it. So he might embrace it more. Like Dead Kennedys, for example. Like I can imagine, that would be a group I think he would really like. Yeah. Because it would politically be right in tune with like, you know, what he was kind of addressing in the interview largely. Yeah, like he definitely you know, mentioned like the that. bad brains to me backstage and stuff. Or that, sure, exactly. There's another great one. Like, I just mean, it just seems like a lot of times in the history books you get this, like, you get this one, okay, this era is these people. And then it's like, okay, and then the next yeah. era is these yep. people. And, and there's, you know, there's certain crossover, but it's often, you know, a separate story to a degree. And so I'm always curious of the people that actually did, even if they weren't like major players in any of the groups or whatever, that just still just followed or were interested in, you know, whatever groups of the next waves. And for yeah. me, because I think like, you know, again, like obviously those things like Discharge or Crass or, you know, any of the, the British groups you brought up, like to me, it's like insane. Even like all that, even the Northern Irish stuff, it'd be funny if you brought up any of that. Like, what do you think of Rudy? What do you think of like... I think that stuff he might have even been more. See, but I don't know because he was so close to the clash. I don't know. Maybe yeah, like I, have, I like I I, that's yeah. that's why Amonts and stuff like that, John Peel, and like these types of people are so special because they almost mm -hmm. exist out of time, where they can yeah. like appreciate something that's happening now in the same way they could appreciate something that happened twenty five years ago. I agree, and I think that it's bang on that statement. I think that. I, I always want people to be in that, you know, whatever, of that mold. And, I you know, I realize not everyone is. And it's not a shot at anybody. But 
Um, John Peel, obviously, like <laughs> kind of the ultimate example. Throwing a monster in there, of course, is also immensely high praise, and I do believe he was worthy of it. Yeah, he is worthy of it. Yeah. Um, but as someone, you know, having encountered him and talked with him about modern music as well as uh, when, while he was still with us, uh, modern music as well as old music. But um, yeah, it's. I just I'm never disappointed when I don't hear people make that transition or like praise the things I feel like should be, but I'm just a little surprised when they kind of don't, or like how again like I don't know because to me those the groups you kind of brought up are just such great groups like and to be a, of that time and experiencing it, but then again, you know it's like that idea like we're so detached and we have the you know we have that. Uh, the disconnection to appreciate things from the outside. And we, we're, you know, we're making these associations that perhaps were really, really stretched, you know, and they weren't, maybe weren't there, weren't as close or were just, were not, you know, there's, there's groups that people will talk to you and I about that we've had, you know, we talk, we've talked about this with other people that, you know, you and I are like lukewarm on yep. that, like, like it regionally for us. And it's again, no shade. It's just, you know, we having lived through certain things, it's just like, yeah, I don't know, that didn't hit, you know, didn't hit the way this did. And that, I think that's all it is, really. If I had to guess. Yeah, I agree. I think there's certain things that, like, you know, like, it's, at the time, you know, like, it was funny, uh, Dan Ozzy today tweeted, like, hey, I just got back from a time machine from 1998. Everyone wants you to know that new metal sucks. And no <laughs> one likes it. And, and it's not going to, and we're really all hoping that it never comes back. And it's like, damn, he's right. You know, and I say that I've been saying that forever. Like we're one pitchfork review of hot dog in the chocolate flavored water or whatever bullshit that Biscuit <laughs> record was called away yeah. from like people being like, no, that record was pretty cool. It was not cool. It was yeah, not. Absolutely. No, <laughs> and it's not. And, but the yeah. thing is like nostalgia nostalgia is a motherfucker right like it makes you forget how shitty stuff was and also like just because you liked it when you were a little kid doesn't mean it's okay to publicly like it as an adult <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> that's a good point you know like uh, that's coming mind you from a guy who definitely publicly likes no effects in 2018 so <laughs> take what i say with a grain of salt no, no, but I think, uh, I yeah, the new metal thing I think is just a particularly, yeah, I mean, well, this isn't the show, I guess, to a degree to discuss that, but yeah, I know what you're saying. I, that, that, I don't know. Thankfully, I don't really hear that as much. I don't know if I'm not hearing those bands or I know the bands that are kind of trying to do that or whatever, but I don't really hear that. I think that's, it's certainly not dead dead, but it's not being uh, revived as I see it at the moment. Thank new metal? Goodness. Yeah, I don't really see that being re like revived in that. I mean, again, I don't follow that kind of stuff at all. But, like, you know, I don't see any pervasive, you know, social signifiers or, like, radio stuff. Like, any of that isn't really jumping out at me, thankfully, that it would, like, that would annoy me. No, but I, me. I think, like, the the impact has trickled into so much music that's around us now. Like, holy fuck, do a lot of people I know like Link, Limp Bizkit. Like, a lot of people that yeah, I'm Yeah, that's like, insane. Because it was, like, the music that was popular when they were, like, younger. 
Like yeah, I get that. I mean, for for you and I, maybe because it's it's not that much before, but for me, that would be like something like Alice in Chains or like Guns and Roses. Uh, uh, yeah, Guns and Roses. But at least Guns and Roses were good. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we've had this debate on the show numerous times. I'm sure we'll get an email about that. But like, Guns and Roses were a good band. Like, and released, and more importantly, put out a good record. At least a good record. Like yeah. Limp Bizkit is not. No, this is just never, never, ever. Um, what was the other example? I don't know. I guess Allison Chains people do. I, I just can't stand that band. But um, yeah, I don't know the the Allison Chains is it, Allison Chains uh, <laughs> at the time. I thought you know a couple tracks, but I was never a fan. No, like yeah, but for me, it's just like the the body of work is just like oh, it's that's the stuff that just ruins time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> groups like that like the, like I think Rooster the song Rooster has not finished playing yet because it's that long from when it was released it feels <laughs> like it's that long but uh yeah that song's hard as fuck dude it should be see the irony of that song is it should be or it should have resonated the way like uh, Metallica 1 resonated yeah like with it's sort of like war like war overtones or whatever that that's kind of trying to tackle that idea and yet and i do oddly enough think the rooster's lyrical content is probably a lot more deep <laughs> but, but the song is ter- terrible anyway i don't know why uh, i don't yeah. think terrible oh it's terrible really that's terrible that's one for me yeah that killed that that when i think of the 90s and i think of like ptsd of the 90s that's one of those things for sure that's that song's all right that's like I got a couple uh uh like I got a couple uh you know like I got I, I got I got a soft spot for a couple of those songs. I like I don't like them, but I can not loathe weirdly enough the single soundtrack wood song and We Die Young is alright. Those those can hang because I don't know, my brain can handle it. Everything else is, is going for me. What do you th- what do you think of Soundgarden? Yeah, another yeah, one. Like that's me too. Good, good, like definitely, I could not ever entirely dismiss that. But yeah, like, and I certainly liked. Like I, I guess to parse this argument really quick, this is funny. We're on this off of a Don Letzard interview, but um, <laughs> uh, my problem with Soundgarden is super unknown. Uh, speaking yep. to your everyone likes you know new metal is back and that not that super unknown is a new metal record but my problem is that generationally for some reason there is a significant amount of people who really love super unknown as a record and uh it's horrible and i don't get that at all and uh i think they had some songs and i think they're you know historically relevant for a variety of reasons but you know that record was a abomination and ruined another. That's another PTSD '90s moment for me. That whole everything associated with that record. Um, so I don't like that kind of revival stuff. I don't see like Bad Motorfinger shirts. That wouldn't be quite as offensive to me. But it's always super unknown. I don't know what it is that that record captivated so many people, often younger than my, and you know, teach their own. But I just think it's a terrible record. Last one. What do you yeah. think of Smashing Pumpkins? Mm. Never, ever, ever, never, 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 ever, never. Yeah. Not having it. Yeah. I've had this debate with people for years. There's a lot of my friends 
our friends, mutual friends, for whatever reason, have this real soft spot for them. You know, they can they can write a song, like or I guess he can write a song. I don't know who wrote all the songs, but uh, but I, you know, I hate the records. And again, PTSD moments of the '90s, like whatever is it to, today or today is the yeah, greatest. Yeah, today I was, that, that was stuck in my awful. head right now, so that's why. I, yeah, terrible. Yeah, terrible, terrible. I mean, I'll give you I'll give you the opening track on Gish, maybe the drum part for the first like. 30 seconds or something but other than that not having any of it but uh anyway this is not like how much chris hates grunge corner but <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder what their vibe was like what they were trying to go for because it's kind of like dreamy pop you know it's it's like, it has all the elements that should be good and yet it's just not like i don't know how else to say it other than that, that one song is super good though. The the first single off Simon, oh no, what's uh, uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness or whatever. The one that, like, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in the cage. No, dude, no that song's sick. Not having that. See, that's like, I feel like. I feel like that came out the same year, maybe the preceding year of like Super Unknown, and that was just like all that stuff. I'm not having any of it. I'm not having Ball Billy Corgan. Period. In, Dude, in history, it's the hardest opening lines. The world is a vampire <laughs> sent to suck and drain. That's like fucking hard. Like, could you imagine? Like, that's like a Cro-Mag lyric. It is, but then it's like you know, no. Well, so you know what you're saying. It just came off as like, in the '90s. It came off like Molgoth. It was that bad. Yeah, it was and definitely kind of Molgothy. Not having any of that, but uh. <laughs> that's hilarious they actually played in town last week so it's fitting that uh that topic got brought up <laughs> you know you wait long enough on turn into punk we're gonna get to some weird rock band and dissect it for a good 20 minutes i think uh that's probably not an interview you want to have but i think you could have an extensive wrestling conversation with that gentleman uh, I have been around him uh, in a wrestling context, and he did not seem very excited to chat with me. <laughs> well, that aside, I just mean I think like, backstage at Cage of Death, he was not. He seems to be one of those mood. kind of people. He definitely yeah, loves wrestling. Right. He definitely loves yeah. wrestling. He, uh, yeah. you know, we have many, many a mutual friend that has been like, you know what, you should talk wrestling with Billy Corgan, and I'm like, there's never, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Every time I've been around that guy, like it's never been like I'm like he really wants me to go up and talk to him about wrestling right now. I get that vibe he's putting out, but maybe I maybe see, one day. I, I think it would be refreshing as opposed to someone just going up and trying to talk to him about Smashing Pumpkins, though. Yeah, God, you no, know, and I definitely would have nothing to talk to him about in return in regards to Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, like I don't think there's no punk connection between that band, right? Like none of those people were in punk bands. Uh, I have no idea. It's not like really no it's not like fucking white zombie who, you know, are legitimately maybe one of the coolest punk hardcore supergroups of all time. <laughs> As is a Damien criteria, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Billy Corgan, first band, Smashing Pumpkins. It's gonna be Smashing Pumpkins. I I've see I think the the thing that would unearth this quickly though would be like Chicago. And I don't see them connecting to any you know any of the Chicago stuff that would be that. It would seem to be that that would be easy to to, to detect. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, you're right. It would be, you know, we, someone would know. Yeah, like it. You know, there may have been a high school band or something. I'll give enough. I'll I'll give that. But I I even yeah I don't know. Yes, there was. Uh, on uh, oh no, Smashing Pumpkins were on. Uh, Light into Dark, a Chicago music compilation in 1989. Huh. Which also features Nathan poster Reagan? children. Poster children. Who's that? They were later on Sub Pop, I believe. Ian Burgess played in that band or recorded them, I should say. Um, okay. They definitely had some like punk hardcore connection, I thought. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but they are—they are, they are a, a cool band. You have to ask the Chicago-centric people that question. That's where you'll find it. Uh, well, I'm just wondering, like, if if there was like, yeah, Smashing Pumpkins was definitely Billy Corgan's first band. It Which looks is like. kind of insane, I will say. I, like, again, I feel like we're digressing from the greatness of Don Letts, but <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of insane. Yeah, it's always amazing when you see someone come out and they just, like, walk into, like, a huge contract. It's yeah. like, how did that happen? Uh, I agree. They did have a 45 Flexi with Reflex Magazine, too, the Smash Republicans, so the punk stuff's getting a little uh, tighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> James E. Huh? So what about uh, was there anything else you talked backstage about that you think was funny worth mentioning with any of the guests? That is uh, not obviously no go. Not really. We were just like kind of kind of. I actually didn't get a chance to hang out backstage much because as soon as the show ended, uh, Don Letts's movie started. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And he was quite upset about the aspect ratio, which was off. And then he left. So at the end of the movie, the movie finishes, and then yeah. there's just like no one there. So I'm just, <laughs> it's just like, all right. And then eventually people just start leaving. Like everyone's just kind of like sitting there, like, uh, okay, I guess we'll go now. And got up and what left. Was the uh, what movie did he show? It's like the Don Let's Home Movies. It's called right, and it's it's like this. It's like some old footage, and uh, over top of it, he's now, like, gone and added new VOs. So he's, okay, like, kind of what? contextualizing stuff. I, it's good. I, like, I, you know, I'm one of those people, though, that wishes we got a chance to just, like, watch the original footage. Because he also dubbed in some music for some of the artists, too. Like, okay. like album versions of the songs. And it's like, I don't know. Gotcha. Don't you just want to see, you know... The real deal. Yeah, I'm with you. Yep. Uh, but any anything else you want to add, Chris, on this subject? I'm trying to think. Uh, I guess the the one thing I, I would I get sort of his point, but I I feel like needs to be discussed at least on footnotes because I think you I I I kind I think I know your take on it, but either way, I think it's it would be a, a decent topic to broach, which is the idea that he's uh, Don in the interview that you got with him is addressing the idea that like the the punk ideal um, to him is almost paramount to the to what 
you know, quote unquote, 77 era punk was. And what he found redundant was that it sort of just continued in that light. And that seemed to be what he wasn't as keen on. Um, but from a purist standpoint, uh, and, and sort of the idea that he, th- this kind of notion that like punk can be anything sort of idea, and obviously not anything, but you, you know what I mean? It's, it's more broad than a 77 context or what have you, which I do agree with partially, but I also think there are certain sonic signifiers which defines what punk is so i don't agree that punk can kind of be anything quote unquote um and i found that part of the interview pretty interesting so i was curious of damien's take on this and what do you think the signifiers are i don't know i don't like it's kind of hard to say right because i think that's the thing that you know and and i keep running into this with people coming on the show where they're like i don't know i don't my definition of punk is no good like i think that's the thing about this genre that makes it so special like metal there are like really defined signposts of like what is and isn't metal and i'd say even with hip-hop you know like what is and isn't hip-hop or or like what is and isn't true rap type thing whereas with punk and hardcore like yeah there's stuff that's like you know super diy like unquestionably punk in its aesthetic and approach but then there's other stuff that like might have a couple of those boxes ticked, but not all of them. And yeah, it still somehow retains a punk quality to it. I agree with you. I, that's not, uh, that's sort of not, I think that's well said. I, that wasn't as much my concern. It's a, it's like if I took an idea that, um, I'm trying to think of like a modern group that kind of, it's sort of the notion that people say, well, this is like a punk band. This is what punk is now. I sort of disagree with a lot of that when I hear it sort of thrown about. And not to mean in the context to like a modern rock group, but say like, uh, trying to think of a good example of this. Even, I'll take a good one that's an easy, easy signifier, but it's it's a dated one now, even though I believe they're still active. Um, Atari Teenage Riot. Yep. So that group to me, is not a punk band. I, I think they could be a punk band, no? I, I think they're great. I like them. I just don't consider them a punk band. Do you consider the Screamers a punk band? Mm, I would because history dictates that I should. But that is a great idea to ask that one. Um, what about Throbbing Gristle? I think I would. Definitely not. No. 100% no. Really? Um, yeah, hundred percent. No, nothing he's done, nothing Genesis has touched that I'm aware of is punk. I would say opinion. Genesis would say those early Throbbing Gristle and Industrial records were punk records. See, I don't know. See, this is this is the this is what I mean. This is the the this is the the crux of this this take, right? I I know what like it's a good. All your reference points are great ones to bring up, but for me, it's like no. That's what I, this is what I mean. The the defined idea. My defined idea of the sonic signifiers are a bit more rigid than than sort of a uh, an open feeling on that. So, so throbbing gristle certainly, I would argue, has moments for sure. Um, but yeah, I would still say no. I would still mm. say no on that. But you're right; it's those are interesting ones to bring up. Screamers is a really interesting one because screamers are like suicide, even. Um, 
because then you have to define what the sonic signifiers are, and if they're not, you know, rock guitar centric, then where does it fall? Yeah, it's uh. Anyway, I just thought that was uh something I wanted to bring up. I don't know how much you want to go on it now, but if you can think of other examples. Yeah, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. I like that you the ones you brought up are excellent. So you think Throbbing Gristle is a punk band or no? I definitely think so. Like I think pre-codification they were they were a punk band. You know, I think they would have identified even as a punk band back then. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've always considered that its own separate weird scene that had its own thing. Maybe that's part of it too. But you're not. I I feel I know why you're saying that, and I I do like that. I would agree with it in principle, but I think like. You know, again, if we're if you're talking about discharge versus like thriving gristle, then one is one thing, one is another. That's kind mm-hmm. of my view. Mm-hmm. But you know, this this is a very nerdy, silly point. But I just thought it was because I can't remember what he says specifically. But there's this kind of idea that he throws out there of like the idea that like punk, essentially like punk isn't dead, which I agree. But the idea that sort of punk is manifest in different forms. I I don't know if I agree with that sonically. I don't think I think there are things that are inspired by the, the ethics of it, but I don't think that inherently they are uh, they are of it, quote unquote, because of the sonic difference, if you will. That's a really very nerdy late night thing to say. Anyway, well, I think if that's it, Chris, uh, should we call it a day for this episode, which we were planning on making very short, and wound up being. Not as long as we normally go, but still pretty, pretty healthy long. Yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, that's it. I guess next week we'll be back with Eric Davidson from the New Bomb Turks uh, episode to discuss. Coming up in the future weeks, we've got that Fletcher and Craig Satari episode. Uh, there's some uh, other big name musician, huge name musician that's coming up too. Uh a white whale guest, one of my white whales. I'm finally going to land. Uh, we got we got big things coming up, Pierce. Nice man. Uh, very uh, anticipating a few of those big time that I know of. Yeah, there's going to be some some exciting ones. Some exciting ones. I just got confirmation on one that I will tell you about as soon as we get off air, Chris, and uh, <laughs> make the rest of these motherfuckers wait. <laughs> um, nice. Uh, and once again, how do they get in touch with us here, Chris, if they want to send us an email, which we will one day get back to doing, but right now it's been a little nuts with my new job stuff and, and Chris has got, you know, some, some crazy stuff that he's working on too. So between the two of us, <laughs> it's been busy. True. That is true. Uh, to reach us here, it's turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. And we also have to say <laughs> a very happy birthday to friend of the show, loyal contributor <laughs> one of the coolest people that the two of us know and that is one mr dave it up yes a huge happy birthday i wished him one personally already but yeah big time that's when we recorded this dave as you're listening i was saving it for <clears throat> the podcast like i was going to wish him one online i'm like nice. no no i'm going to i'm going to do it somewhere he's going to hear it in his ear holes yeah i'm going to go uh, right out on uh not even out on a, on a limb on this, but just Dave is also far more punk than me legitimately. And, uh, I feel that needs to be acknowledged on his birthday. That's all. I think he's more punk than all of us. There's I no fully. 
yeah. fully than me. I, I, I can't speak for anyone else. I'm just saying for me, 100%. I think there's a picture of Dave on a blank 77 record. Yeah, which even that in and of itself speaks to what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, happy birthday, Dave. Uh, rest in peace, Randy Rampage. And we will see you next week. Uh, go out there and make your own culture. Hit me up on social media, at Left for Damien. And that's it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye.